This is the Big Fit Girl Uncensored Podcast, produced in partnership with Live Feisty Media. I'm your host, Louise Green, fitness professional, author, and activist for size inclusivity and elevating people to their highest potential. This isn't a podcast about burpees and salads, but rather the underbelly of what it means to be truly well. We unpack it all. Fitness for all sizes, mental health, body positivity, racism, bias, breaking down all the stereotypes that exist in our world. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. Thanks for joining me on this ride. Now here we go. Okay, so today I'm here with Shirley Weir, founder of Menopause Chicks, which is a website, an educational site, a community um, to help women through perimenopause and menopause. And I was surprised when I first went to your site that there's a statistic there that says that 70% of women feel like they don't have anyone to talk to about this. And that to me just really hit me and um, just felt like that's so isolating for women. And so this is very much a women's health topic. And I thought it would be really great to have you on and discuss perimenopause and menopause and what that means for women and how you support them. So welcome, Shirley. Thanks. Thanks, Louise. That's a pretty overwhelming number, isn't it? Like we were just we were just chatting about your son. Imagine if 70% of kids didn't have anyone to talk to about puberty. Yeah. Like that is, that would be totally unacceptable in our society, but yet it's fascinating that as women, grown ass women, (laughs) that, that we're willing to do that to ourselves. It's very true. But Um, I'm going to be transparent here. This is the second time that we've done this interview. The first time we had some tech issues. And I believe in the last um, interview that we did that we talked about that there's some shame around this phase of our life. And so we don't want because we're living in in a society that's so ageless and you know um youth and beauty is all where it's at and you and i know that that's a bunch of bs because we really know that the powerhouse women are the ones that are like out there at every size age um you know ethnicity look walk of life doing the doing the fantastic work um but I think that that's what brings around some shame around this is that people don't want to talk about it. Oh, I'm, I'm in perimenopause or I'm, I, you know, I've hit menopause, like to some women that would be shameful, I would assume. Yeah. So there's a a lot of energy around the word menopause. You know, when I first started saying it at the backyard barbecue or at the boardroom table, I would get looks, I would get women putting their hand in my face in the shape of a stop sign and saying, Whoa, I'm not there yet. Um, as if to say, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to learn about it until I'm 50. That is totally the wrong approach because, and we probably should talk about definitions. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you that first like, of all, because I was surprised. I was really surprised when I actually learned through you what perimenopause is and what menopause is. So take it away. Yeah. And this is why it's so important to have this conversation so that women can get as informed as early as possible. So menopause is one day. It's technically the 12 month anniversary of your final period. 
So if you go three months or six months or 10 months without a period and then you get it again, that's perimenopause. Menopause is 12 months. Now it's different for everyone, but a group of practitioners at some point along this journey sat around a table and they all agreed that 12 months was, was the defining line. Perimenopause is the phase of life leading up to that day. It can last between five to 15 years. It is not a synonym for suffering. What it is, is a phase of life that includes hormone fluctuations. So um, interpret that as meaning preparing for menopause. Um, and then every day after that 12 month anniversary is technically post-menopause. Okay. So media, the medical community, um, marketers will often use the word menopause and they use it as an umbrella term that covers all three of those. But what I've just tried to explain, there are three distinct phases and perimenopause is very different from menopause because menopause is only one day, but it's also very different from postmenopause. So in perimenopause, a woman still has her period, even though it might start to become irregular or it might be heavier or lighter. Um, again, every woman's journey is different. Um, I will repeat the fact that perimenopause is not a synonym for suffering. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not in perimenopause yet because I don't have any symptoms. Well, if you're 48 years old, you are in perimenopause. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that definitively. Your body is starting to prepare for the second half of your life. Um, and we tend in this society, in this culture, to have a lot of conversation around synonyms and suffering. And that, to your earlier comment, is likely the reason why women don't want to talk about it. Right. So, you know, if, if you and I were to hop out onto the street today and stick a microphone into, <laughs> you know, a dozen, a dozen faces, right? Um, whether people would say this or not, these are the thought bubbles that would go above their head if we said menopause. They'd say hot, old, tired, bitchy, and fat. Right. Those are the five things that whether consciously or unconsciously, we have been fed. Okay, Maybe. one more time. Say it again. What are the... I know, I say it really fast. It's hot. Well, I just, because I know that the fat is a big thing. I, yes. I see that often. Or like, you know, facial hair and... Yes, yes. I mean, there's a long list. But the ones that I encounter the most, um, and it happens, you know, it happens with women, but it also happens with men, too. They're like, oh, hot, old, tired, bitchy, fat. And if you're talking to a man, you, he might have also inherited the assumption or the myth that she doesn't want to have sex anymore. Right. And that's why he doesn't want to talk about menopause because he's afraid and wants to put the brakes on, on that phase of life. Um, I'm working really, really hard to flip that dialogue because there is so much to celebrate um, at this time in our lives, including investing in our health, yeah. right? It's like, wow, what if you got to 50 and you had never put a dime away for your child's education? Or what if you got to 50 and you'd never put a dime in a retirement savings plan? Well, many women 
are getting to 50 and they've never taken a book out of the library or they've never taken time to have a an informed conversation with someone about how they're going to invest in their health. And it might be, um, it might have to do with how they want to easily transition you know, from perimenopause to menopause. It might be how they want to take care of some of the things in later life, like their brain health, mm -hmm. their bone health, and their heart health. Um, now, again, to your conversation, why do 70% of women not feel that they have anyone to talk to about? Or is it that they don't want to talk about it yet? And I, you know, I don't know the the distinction between those two things, but I can tell you that if perimenopause is five to 15 years leading up to menopause, and the average age of menopause is 51.2 in North America, I was 49 when I reached menopause, but so we have women in their late 30s, early 40s, who are in perimenopause, they haven't finished having their families yet, so it's very challenging to say, hmm, here, Louise, I want you to read this book, right, on perimenopause, and you're like, no, 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 wait a second, I'm gonna have another child first. So we have that going on in our society too, whereas, you know, a generation ago, you had, you'd finished having your family at by 28 or 29, right? I like what you said about the word having energy, because yes. it's the same with fat, right? Like, yes. it's, you know, that's, that's kind of the wheelhouse that I work in a lot. Yes. And there's a lot of energy. Like if a woman calls herself fat in some of the private groups I have where she's reclaiming it and yes. not seeing it as a negative, a negative thing, yep. a whole bunch of women will come and say, don't say you're fat. Why don't you say this? And, and I think with menopause, it's like, yeah, just reclaiming that word, like yes. just like any phase like you say puberty, right? Like we don't yeah. all like, I mean, maybe I did when I was going through it, but again, I don't think that puberty was talked about as it is with my son. Like my son and his friends talk about it openly in front of me. Like it's, you know, talking about video games. And my, my son and his friends talk about perimenopause. Do they? Because my son is 19 and he's been raised with it. I've been doing this work for six years. Yeah. So uh, he and his friend came to my event in the summertime and, you know, like they're just, they, they, it's normalized for yeah. them. Um, and it doesn't have sort of that generational uh, myth that we're, you know, that we've maybe grown up with. So that's funny yeah. too, because my son is very, um, you know, he's very desensitized to fat too. Right. Like I think that he, he knows by demonstration, not just with me, but all the women that I've worked with, but yeah you know, it has no bearing on how, you know, what kind of life you want to live exactly. and it doesn't devalue you. So I think it is very much the way that we are conditioning people in our, in our homes. Like if a woman is talking about youth and, you know, not wanting, or I'm old and you know, like that narrative all the time where old is perceived as a negative experience yes. or changes to our bodies are a negative experience. Um, then there is going to be that energy, as you say, around certain words. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't spend a lot of time coming up with the name menopause chicks, but I knew that the word menopause had to be there because, as you said, I wanted to own it and yeah. reclaim it. And chicks was something that I added on because I wanted it to be different and I also wanted to crack open the conversation because initially I thought, oh, it, we're not talking about it. 70% of women don't have anyone to talk about. 
I'll just start a blog and that will be, you know, that'll be, that problem will be solved. Well, I was pretty naive in thinking that because what I learned was um, it isn't enough. What yeah. we have to do is we have to change the paradigm uh, in order for more women to get informed because we can't continue to have, um, uh, you know, the next generation. And I'm, and I'm sure millennials won't do this, but um, I hope it's because of some of the work that, you know, you and I are doing mm -hmm. is that we can't have women waking up in their mid to late forties thinking they're bleeding to death. They have cancer, that they have dementia. Like these are some of the things that happen when you're not aware of the changes that are happening is you go to the worst case scenario, you go to the ER. Well, the, the, doc, the ER doctor isn't equipped to, you know, give you uh, life phase education or perimenopause 101 while you're on the gurney. Like it's really yeah. about making sure that women feel empowered to get this information and education. So two things I want to bring up right now is, um, you have a private community on Facebook, which I really want people to know about. And I say that because I have a private community as well. And what I find in these private communities is people will hang back in the wings and they won't say a word <clears throat> and they could be there for months and then they'll come and say, this is my first post. Mm -hmm. So it's a trusting place that they can just hang back in the wings listen to the narrative that's going on and then when they feel safe and comfortable to bring up what's going on for them they can do that so private communities and especially vetted private communities um one where the founder of the community is in that community every day kind of like you know policing the streets um what is your community how can people find it it's called thank you it's called the menopause chicks private online community um, it's hosted on Facebook, so it's really easy for women to access. We are uber committed to the culture of that community. Uh, so like you said, I am in there every day, seven days a week. Um, I approve all of the posts. So this is a place on Facebook that you can come to and there are no memes, there are no jokes, it's just quality education and information. And you're right. There are women who do hang back. I call them in the back row yeah. because everything that we do is about Q and a. And when, um, uh, when we do live events, I sometimes joke that the women who slide into the back row are just sitting there waiting for the woman in the front row to ask their question. Yeah. Um, and that's great. Yeah. And that's fine because you can learn a lot by reading other women's posts, by hearing, by reading the answers from our healthcare professionals. We have a whole network of healthcare professionals who answer questions for us. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's all about, um, you know, we all learn through different resources, but at the end of the day, it's about women feeling validated. We yeah. definitely want women to think, um, or to not think that they're the only ones going through this. Uh, that they're not alone when you type those words a lot you are not alone and then here's where you can go to get more information and that might be watching a video it might be you know connecting with another woman um, for example lots of women will come to the community having received a recommendation to get a hysterectomy well I've never had a hysterectomy so I you know I'm not going to respond to that but I can certainly connect her with other women who have made that decision or not made that decision and they can explain why. So then, you know, it's like, 
it's like an, um, an added layer to your doctor's appointment. Now, like you can leave your doctor's appointment. You're like, Oh, I guess that's the decision. You know, that's what I got to do. Or for many of us, we want to go and say, is this the best thing for me? Is, does this resonate with my health plan? Is this the vision I have for myself? And that might be hysterectomy or it might be something as simple as, you know, my doctor recommended birth control or sleeping pills. And for me, when I got, like I was 41 when my doctor recommended that to me and I was like, oh no, like I don't think that's the plan I have for myself. My husband's already had a vasectomy. I'm not going back on the pill. That's, you know, it, that's in my past. And isn't there something else that I can do besides sleeping pills? So I went online to try to find, you know, a community or a place where I could validate or find quality information. And it, and it didn't exist at that time. So that's mm. kind of the history of menopause chicks and how, how we got here. So just to re- re- uh, reiterate that, <clears throat> Facebook groups are facebook.com forward slash, is it? Groups. Yeah. Uh, menopause chicks private community it's facebook.com backslash groups backslash menopause chicks okay and if you search menopause chicks it'll just come. type in menopause chicks you will find us yeah okay so the other thing i wanted to talk about is you talked about being on the gurney and you know get, you know going in the er because you don't know what's happening so explain to us some of the things that you may c- come across. I mean, obviously there's a range for everyone because we're all different, but what are some of the um, symptoms of perimenopause? So uh, you're right. It's different for everyone. It's quite a range. And before I list some of the experiences that a woman might encounter, I think it's important to point out that 20% of women sail through. Mm-hmm. So the hormone fluctuations do not impact their quality of life. Their sleep doesn't change. Their period, you know, slides off into the, into the, uh, the history books and that's it. For 20% of women, they have their worlds rocked upside down by hormone imbalance. Um, and then for 60, the remaining 60% of which I include myself in actually, um, you experience things that are either mild to moderate, but they don't impact your quality of life. So that might be, oh, your period's a little heavier, but you get through it, um, or it, or it disappears, or maybe you have a couple sleepless nights, but it's not really anything that you're too concerned about. Or the other, um, subsection of women in that 60% are the women who do something about it. So I want to really emphasize that for what I'm about to explain, the experiences I'm about to explain, that there are viable solutions. This is not a phase of life where women have to believe that they have to suck it up mm-hmm. or that it's just part of being a woman. Um, but they do need to know that um, we're the first generation of women to turn 50 and have 50 more years to plan for. So we're still learning. I mean, at the turn of the last century, women only lived to be 50. So menopause was like a non-event. And now our generation is learning how to navigate um, these changes and how to live with vitality and longevity down the road. So um, what are some of the changes? Well, for me, um, the very first sign, I believe, was sore breasts. Uh, and that's not something that's talked too openly about. But if you think about it, it's 
quite similar to when you first are pregnant. Nice. Um, so your hormones are change, are fluctuating when you first become pregnant. I knew that I wasn't pregnant. I was 39, but I was like, oh my God, I can't believe my boobs are so sore. So not enough reason to go see a doctor, but just a change that I noted. A couple years later, um, I was, I would say slammed for the first time in my life with anxiety and depression. And I'd never experienced that before. Um, but I was also dealing with chronic sleep deprivation. Right. I was waking up every morning at 3 a.m. Um, now that's not estrogen or progesterone, that's cortisol. That was stress, the amount of stress that I had in my life. Not unlike any other woman that's watching this, watching our conversation today. Um, I'm self-employed, I had two small kids, and my mother was living with us at the time, and she was showing signs of dementia and had a number of health conditions. So, you know, who does that fall to? Well, it falls to the woman who's in her early 40s. Um, who probably wasn't taking as good of care of herself as I could have been, right? Exercise slid off, sleep slid off, drive through and take out food happened more often. Um, and then guess what is impacted my health. Um, some other experiences, uh, as I mentioned, is changes to bleeding. And that does not get headline news like hot flashes do. So, so there's a, a long-standing myth that hot flashes are the first sign of menopause. It is completely untrue. Hot flashes and night sweats do happen. They predominantly happen in the last year of perimenopause, which is that final year of no periods. That's predominantly when women experience <clears throat> But changes to bleeding can happen for a number of years leading up to that time. Um, and I think that another, it's another quote, but it's ironically 70% is the number 70% of, uh, OBGYN visits have to do with concerns around bleeding. Right. And we don't tell women that it's, you know, you know, we want women to check out any concerns that they have. We certainly want to rule out anything serious. We certainly want to address if a woman is, uh, has fibroids um, but the reality is that most of those changes to bleeding are a result of fluctuating progesterone in perimenopause. Interesting. Yeah. So obviously check it out, but to, to be aware that, you know, cause what happens is people get on Google, right? Like I was yes. talking to a friend this morning that was on Google about an, uh, an unrelated situation, but I was like, you know, you know, that's why your resources and your community and your website is so important because Google can scare the crap out of people. Like it really can like, Oh, you might have cancer or you might, you know, like, and then you're, and then, you know, that's not really solution based because you really don't know for sure. So, it's so, so true. And you know, the other thing, like there's a lot of medical sites, um, on, on the internet, on Google. And here's another conversation I haven't had enough of yet, but if you look at perimenopause and menopause through the eyes of a doctor, they only see the 20% of women who are really suffering. Right. That's true. So their impression of menopause is suffering. They don't see the 80% of women who don't come to their waiting room or to their, their doc, their medical clinic. Right. right. 
Um, and so that's why I do do a lot of comparison to puberty because we don't take our kids to puberty or just take them to the doctor's office during puberty. No, that sounds insane. Yeah. Right. What kind of parent does that unless there's like a legitimate, you know, health concern, but for some reason, this medical framing has happened to menopause and I just want to work to, to recreate that. Well, I think it's because it's not being talked about and it's people aren't being educated about it. And that's exactly the mission that you're on. Yes. That's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because, you know, I'm, I'm working with women's health and, you know, that topic has never come up. Wow. I've been doing this for like 15 years. We've wow. never had that conversation ever. Interesting. Yeah. So, and it's a big topic of women's health. So it's, you know, but actually I'm fascinated by that, Louise, because I do find that um, as women, we will sometimes talk to those members of our health team that we have a personal or private relationship with. Mm -hmm. And so um, fitness trainers, hairdressers, like, you know, the person that waxes your legs or whatever. Like, I think that it, I'm starting to see conversations happen in, the, in those situations. And sometimes it's more comfortable maybe to talk to your fitness trainer than it might be to talk to your sister, or your girlfriend, if you have that shame or fear or fear of judgment, um, or you know maybe that person is um, really concerned about her aging, so you don't want to bring up your own experience, right? There's all these nuances that go on in our lives and it, we I think people have brought like said oh I'm going through menopause but that's kind of where it ended like yeah. oh you know like and then it's like oh shitty you know like because I wasn't educated on it either right so right so instead of shitty it's like oh my gosh congratulations <laughs> have you invented a cocktail yet and <laughs> when's <Yeah>. your party <laughs> talk about the party uh, well, I was inspired by Bip, rock star Bip Naked, actually. I watched an interview with her talking about her own, uh, so she had surgically induced menopause because you uh, had cancer. Um, yeah, so if you have a hysterectomy, um, you enter menopause that day, the right. day that your, uh, your ovaries or uterus are removed. Um, so partial hysterectomy is uterus only, full hysterectomy is uterus plus ovaries. That's the day you reach menopause. Whereas natural menopause is what I described earlier, going 12 months without a period. Anyway, same paradigm. Biff Naked is talking about how she loves menopause and invited women to um, have a party. And so I thought, well, I'm going to invent a cocktail and host a party. And I think I um, hosted the first online menopause party. I invited Biff Naked to join me. So we did what you and I are doing. We did a big And we just talked about all of the positives. We talked about newfound confidence. We talked about wisdom. We talked about this being, you know, feeling like we're the smartest we've ever been. Mm-hmm. And we talked about um, learning to become our own best health care advocates. So it's like mm-hmm. budgeting. Like you don't learn budgeting in high school. You also don't learn how to be your own health advocate, how to navigate the system, how to stand up for yourself and say things like that won't work for me or 
I want to bring my partner to my next health appointment because I want they're here to take notes or ask questions that I might not think of. Those are all things that are that we can put in our toolkit to yeah. take take care of ourselves. Yeah. So do you have resources around that on your website? Because as we had in our first conversation um, that I wrote a whole chapter around that, just how to advocate for your health and your needs and fitness at the doctor, whatever. And it's interesting that it's not that we haven't been taught. Yes, it is. Um, so I have a number of resources on the private Facebook community. We have a section that's called units. Facebook calls it units. I call it social learning units. So um, we put information and resources there that um, are a result of our most frequently asked questions. Right. So there's checklists, there's articles, and there's videos with healthcare professionals. Uh, last year I wrote a book called Bokita. Yes, I was going to bring that up. That's fantastic. Here it is. Uh, hold it up again for us. So like right onto the screen so we can all see it. I think you need to move it over there. Yeah. So again, we talked about this originally in our original interview. What does Mokita, what is it? Mokita means, it's a word from Papua New Guinea and it means the truth we all know and choose not to speak of. Right. For exactly how you kick-started this conversation. Um, I think we, you know, in North America, we say the elephant in the room. And as a society, we have so many mokitas. Perimenopause and menopause are two of them. Um, money, religion, sex, yeah. weight. Um, and the other interesting thing that I learned about this tribe in Papua New Guinea that uses the word mokita is that they measure the health of their tribe by how many mokitas they have or don't have. Like how many mokitas that they just put out onto the, you know, the center of the circle and address and talk about them. And they know that then their tribe will be healthier because nothing is being held back or, or swept under the carpet. That is incredible. Well, do you know the name of that tribe? Because I, I wanna, do. It's called the Kavila tribe. K-A-V-I-L-A. Kavila tribe in Papua New Guinea. Yes. That is so cool. Can you imagine if the world operated like that? Like, hey, let's just throw it on the table. Yes, I can imagine it. <laughs> well, we're throwing it on the table, right? We're throwing it right now. Yeah. That is so cool. Like, I'm actually getting goosebumps from that. That is so cool. It's so Love cool that. that the word found me. Louise, like, I don't even know, you know, I was, I had another working title for this book when I started it and somehow this found me. Um, and I'm so grateful for it because it's really, you know, it's a cool word. Um, it's got lots of positive energy attached to it and, uh, it's got legs. There's yeah. so, so many mokitas that as women, we can have really empowering and informed conversations about. And, um, you know, I did some research uh, while I was doing the book in my community because I was curious as to why women were coming and staying. I had this impression that women would come get the information that they needed and leave. Yep. And so I, you know, I, I did some probing and this one woman shared with me, she said, Shirley, I'm 52 years old. I joined this community three years ago. I did everything you told me to do. I got informed. I built my health team. Now I want you to crack open the conversation on sexual health and brain health and bone health. She said, I've got space for it now. Yeah. Three years ago, 
I wasn't sleeping through the night and I could barely make it through the day at work. But now I'm 52. I feel like I want to take this on. I want to invite, you know, sexual education into my life. And I was like, oh my God, sign me up. Like, so this is the direction of the work that I'm doing. That's so cool. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, so really what can people find in the book and so, where can they get the book? It's on Amazon. Is it? Yes, the book is on Amazon. We were number one in women's health when we launched last October. It's also on Chapters Indigo if you're watching this from Canada. And if you want an e-version, um, it's available uh, through me at mymokita.com. Um, and what we do with that is we encourage you to, even if you want to buy the hard copy, download the e-version and forward it to an unlimited number of people. Send it to your sisters, your friends, your book club. Send it to your boss. Many women send it to their doctor and their health team. Um, we just want to spread the That's word. Really it's invited. It, it's um, the book is divided into two parts. So the first part is my narrative. It's kind of like everything I learned about perimenopause and I want to share with you. Uh, and my story is there as well. And then the second part of the book, uh, we invited 13 women's healthcare professionals to each write a chapter. So I talk a lot about building your own midlife health team. And I know that that takes a ton of time and a ton of money and resources even, right? Trying to figure out, do I want a naturopath? Do I want to try acupuncture? Like you have all these questions. Mm -hmm. What we did is we invited those healthcare professionals to share a, what it's like to work with them. So what are the benefits of getting an acupuncture or going to see a naturopath or a chiropractor or a pelvic floor um, specialist? Like they're all in here. And then they each provided case studies. So I don't know about you, but I love to just read. And it's like, oh, Karen, she experienced anxiety and depression too. And she, she was low in iron. She had her iron checked. Oh, I never thought of that. And so like I read about Karen's story and then I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to take some of those tidbits and apply them to my own health too. So yeah. um, that's, you know, that's kind of the feedback that I've been getting as well. It's like, oh, I never thought of that until I read the case study from the farm. I definitely learn and relate through other people's stories. That's yeah. like my favorite way of taking in information. Um, there's just such a point of relation and not with everything. Right. But I think having stories in there is, is really paramount, especially on a topic where people feel so alone. Yes. Um, so that's really smart. So we've talked about your group and we've talked about your book where people can find both of them. And what about your website? So the website um, is menopausechicks.com. It's a summary of all of our articles. So the articles are actually posted there, mostly in chronological order, but sometimes um, we also reorder them too based on the conversations that come up in the community. Right. I don't know if you find this in your group too, yes. <laughs> where all of a sudden, you know, the topic of um, exercise as it relates to sleep or like skin questions, it'll come up and then I'll get three or four like right in a row. So we often, um, you know, go back into our ar archives and say, here's a really great interview or article from this healthcare professional and you can find it easily at menopausechicks.com. 
So cool. I love the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Um, I know that (laughs) I know you're out there hustling this all the time and making this conversation more accessible. Um, It's hugely important work. Um, So I'm really grateful that you have the community that people can actually get in interactive. That's really important, I think, because if you can have a book and you can have a website, but to actually be able to have that interaction with people that say, I know how you feel and I was there too. And all the, you know, it just takes it that level deeper where people can really open up and have the conversation. Women's health education ought to be awesome and free. Yeah. Period. I agree. So we're on the same page, sister. I know we certainly <laughs> are. We certainly are. Well, since I've um, taken two hours of your time now <laughs> with our first and second interview, I, this one I was just as good as first. It's funny how they're they're different interviews, but this one is great, and um, we're going to post it uh, so women can hear you speak. And I really want to thank you again for making the time for our community so that we can spread the word and open the conversation, crack open the conversation. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Louise. Thanks, Shirley. That's our show, folks. Thanks for listening. If you like today's episode, please share it on social media with your friends. And if you're looking for a size-inclusive space to unleash the athlete within you, don't forget to check out the Big Fit Girl community at bigfitgirl.com. Until next time.